Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good morning church. Yeah, let's try that again. Uh, in case you were still sleeping. Good morning church. Thank you. That's better. It is risen. Amen. That's the truth that we need to hold on to, isn't it? We don't serve a dead God, but we serve and worship a God who is alive. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us as we are about to go into the word. Father, thank you for this glorious day. A day where when we come together as those who have trusted in Christ to celebrate his resurrection. Christ, heaven's best, God's gift to mankind. On Friday, it was a somber day, but today is a glorious day. The tomb is empty, Christ is risen, and that's not a lie, it's not a myth, but it is the truth. And therefore, God, we want to celebrate this day together and also proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. Be with us, O Lord, and we pray, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As a child... I was told that if I lose a tooth and to have it grow back, I had to wrap it in some material and throw it over the roof. I believed in that and practiced it for a while up until I saw the light. (laughs) Years went by and I became a father. Life was great. Up until my daughter came back from school one day with one of her teeth. Excited to have me put it under the pillow because the tooth fairy will collect it and leave some money for her. You can imagine the excitement I had to do as she thought right. Finally, I had a wonderful opportunity to lie to my daughter, my one and only daughter. What I forgot to tell you is that throwing the tooth over the roof, we were told, was to prevent the mouse from stealing it, and if it did, it will never grow up again, grow back again. Now the question is, why do adults lie so much? The thought alone was terrifying. I had nightmares about the mouse running away with my tooth and it never growing back again. Now I had a wonderful opportunity to lie to my daughter, my one and only daughter. Oh no. I had an opportunity to set the record straight. So I took her to the room and told her 
that a tooth fairy, listen to this, or a tooth, tooth fairy story is a lie. Amen, parents? <laughs> Adults have come up with that story and have been deceiving little kids for years, if not centuries. No tooth fairy comes to remove the tooth under the pillow, I told my daughter, and leave some money for you. If you need some money, I could provide it for you, and you can call me Daddy Money Fairy. <laughs> How about that? She was looking at me. That lie has been going on for far too long, and I believed in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit that it must be stopped. And I can start with one person, my daughter. By the way, by the way rather, I also told her and the brother when they were young that there is no such a thing as Father Christmas. Oops. Kids are not going to love me after the service. And as we come to the scriptures this morning, you will see that there is also a lie told by adults. And spiritual leaders, namely chief priests and Pharisees, ordering some soldiers to lie about the resurrection of Jesus, that it never occurred, but his disciples came to the tomb and stole his body. I want to prove to you this morning that Christ indeed rose from the dead, as he promised. The tomb is empty, and that's not a myth, not a lie, but a truth. And by proving it, I want you also to know the benefits the resurrection brings to you. Therefore, let's read our passage together. Matthew 27, starting from verse 62. We'll go all the way to chapter 28, verse 1 to 15. Matthew 27, verse 62, all the way to 28, 1 to 15. I read, The next day, which is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees assembled before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while the deceiver was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. So give orders to secure the tomb until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal his body and say to the people, he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, take guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So they went with the soldiers of the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. 28. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly, there was a severe earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
the gods were strike, were shaken and became like dead, became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Verse six, he is not here for he has been raised just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I've told you. Verse eight, so they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them saying, greetings. They came to him, held onto his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. Now here is the lie. Verse 11. While they were going, some of the gods went into the city and told the chief priest everything that had happened. After they had assembled with the elders and formed the plan, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you are to say his disciples came at night and stole his body while we were asleep. Now the question is, how did they know that they stole his body if they were asleep? If this matter is heard before the governor, he will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story is told among the Jews to this day. My first point this morning is a precautionary plan. Seal the tomb. Matthew tells us that the day after Jesus was crucified, meaning Saturday, as Jesus was crucified on Friday, the spiritual leaders of the day, the Pharisees and chief priests, went to see Pilate. Now, Pharisees, who were legalistic or legalists in every way, violated the Sabbath. Together with the chief priests, who were a liberal group, by going to Pilate, who delivered Jesus into their hands. Both groups of spiritual leaders did not like Jesus. In fact, they hated him and were instrumental in his arrest, his crucifixion, and also his death. These men hated Jesus and everything that came out of his mouth. Jesus saw through them He knew they were not what they claimed to be. He was straightforward with them. He described and called them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs to name but a few. And the truth is, Jesus Christ was right in his assessment of this group, for they were simply terrible leaders. And oh, I pray It won't be said of us here at Central as we lead and serve among you. While Jesus was truthful about his leaders, they on the other side regarded him as a deceiver of the people. They regarded him as an imposter. As they say in verse 63, when they went to Pilate, Sir, talking to Pilate, We remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'm to rise again. 
Well, it is true that Jesus said so about his resurrection. And it's good I could recall it, that he was going to resurrect after three days. If you look at Matthew chapter 12, Jesus had replied to them after they asked for a sign. In fact, he rebuked them for their unbelief, and he replied in this manner, in verse 39 and 40. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So recalling what Jesus said, the order, Pilate, for that is really what we see in verse 64. And they do it politely. This is what they say. So give orders to secure the tomb until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal his body and say that he has been raised from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. They want to ensure that Jesus really remained dead and in the tomb. To them, he deceived the people by claiming to be the Messiah and the Son of God. To have his disciples steal his body and claim that he rose from the dead will be worse than the first deception. So it is the resurrection that is the problem for them. They know they killed him. And one will think that they got what they wanted. But no, even in death, Christ is still their concern. As we'll say today, he is living rent-free in their head. What they are saying is that we need to keep him dead. That is what they are worried about. They were obsessed about it. If he rose from the dead, that will prove he was the son of God. If he rose from the dead, that will mean all their religious leaders were wrong. Hence their plan is to keep him dead, verse 64. So Pilate gave orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate gives them the go-ahead, verse 65, and the tomb is sealed in verse 66, probably with wax. It is also well protected. The chief priests and Pharisees stationed guards to keep anyone from coming out and from going in. And you can imagine those soldiers in the context of South Africa, how they were answering the high priests, the chief priests and the Pharisees. Just think about it. Ah, no, don't worry. You know, nothing is going to come out and no one is going to go in. 
we have everything under control. We are the experienced bunch of gods. We know everything. Go home and rest. Don't worry. We are in charge here. We have everything under control. Can you see how pathetic that plan was? They devised this plan thinking that sealing the tomb with wax and posting gods will prevent Jesus from rising from the dead. No one, in a minute, no one can stop or throw out God's plan. And it is foolish to fight against God. In fact, Psalm 2, verse 1 and 4 says this, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heavens laugh. The Lord scoffs at them. Church, the truth is, God is bigger than us. We are small and insignificant before him. Whenever you feel the urge or desire to go against God or to fight him, that is nothing but your conscience convicting you of the opposite. But you feel that you can sear your conscience. My advice to you this morning is yield to God and be on his side instead by obeying his word. Second point, the divine plan. Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. Look at verse 1 to 11. Or as we read in verse 1 to 11 of chapter 28, Now, in this section, we are going to see that what the Pharisees and chief priests feared would actually come to pass, to pass, rather. On the first day of the week, we are told, in verse 1, Sunday it was after the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome, according to Mark 16, verse 1, And other women with them left early to go to the tomb to apply spices on the body of Jesus. And it was to slow down the decay, so to speak. We are told by Mark that along the way, the ladies or the women were asking who would help them roll away the stone from the tomb's entrance. They did not even know that the tomb had been sealed since they buried Jesus. As they were wandering, all of a sudden came an earthquake, Matthew tells us. And the earthquake was caused by an angel of the Lord, verse 2, who descended from heaven with the mission to roll away the stone. And we are also told that he sat on that stone. Now, let me tell you this. The earthquake was not caused by Jesus leaving the tomb. It was caused by the arrival of the angel coming to the tomb. Nothing says that he came to let Jesus out of the tomb. The angel of the Lord did not roll the stone away for Jesus to escape. 
the truth is, Jesus was not in the tomb when that happened. By the time the angel arrived, by the time the earthquake hit, by the time he rolled the stone away, Jesus had already arisen. He was alive. We are told in verse 4 that as the angel ascended, descended and rolled away the stone after the earthquake, that our soldiers, remember them? The guards who had everything under control, trembled and became like dead men. If we were not in church, I would have said, um, can we laugh at them? The interesting thing is that the angel of the Lord does not even pay attention to them. They are left as they were like dead men. But the women receive a different treatment. They were fearful, and it is a word of reassurance that they receive. Look at verse 5 to 7. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. The angel knew them and spoke to them to calm their fears. The stone was rolled away for the woman to go in and see for themselves that the resurrection had indeed taken place. They received the testimony of the angel. Then they saw the empty tomb to validate the words of God's special envoy and to cap it all up as they were running back to inform the disciples about this great news, guess who they met? They met Jesus Christ himself. Verse 9. He greets them. And they come up and took hold of his feet like a child who does not want to let go of his father's feet. And the Bible says they worshipped him. Jesus was in person before them. They saw him alive. The words he spoke were now fulfilled. Friends, here is the reality. Jesus is alive. And let me tell you what the Bible says about his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised, and on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remained until now. But some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Is that enough proof for you that Christ rose from the dead? Amen. Amen. It is. The scriptures gives us the evidence that indeed Christ rose from the dead and he appeared to the disciples and also to 500 men. And in case you say, well, I want to have more evidence about, about that. What about scientists? What about people who are, who are bright? What is it that they say? Professor Thomas Arnold, who wrote the three-volume history of Rome, and as the chair of modern history at Oxford, he wrote the following. The evidence for our Lord's life and death and resurrection may be and often has been shown to be satisfactory. It is good, according to the common rules for distinguishing good evidence from bad. Thousands and tens of thousands of persons have gone through it piece by piece as carefully as the judge summing up a most important cause. I myself have done it many times over, not to persuade others, but to satisfy myself. I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence than the great sign which God has given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. He died and he rose again from the dead. Thirdly, the evil plan, the lie. Let's look at chapter 28 quickly. Verse 11 to 15. While they were going, behold, some of the gods went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciple came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, to the governor's ears rather, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The chief priests and the Pharisees received a report from the soldiers that we saw things we've never seen before. We heard things we've never heard before. And we can attest to you that the tomb is in fact empty. That man that you asked us to guard was not in. Something happened, there was an earthquake. 
And then there was a being that we've never seen before. He was glorious. He came down and we were as good as dead men. But we heard. We heard, we heard what was being said. He was alive. He has been raised. And I even, he even told the ladies to go back and, and share that news with, with their, the disciples. Now the Pharisees and, and, and high priests or the chief priests remember very well. They were concerned about Jesus rising from the dead. Should Jesus rise from the dead, that will mean that he was really the Messiah. Should Jesus rise from the dead, that will mean he was indeed the son of God. And one would have thought that if they hear this testimony from the guards, from the soldiers, their hearts will turn. They will now look to this Christ they hated, this Christ they despised, and they will now believe in him. But no, we don't see that. What we see is them paying them money and telling them, go and spread a lie. And they were the first one to come up with that lie, but, or that, not the lie, but they were the first one to come up with that sort of, you know, we can, we can do something. But you know, Pilate, if you don't want him to, his disciples to come in and, and steal him from the tomb, so what we want you to do, just send guards to keep the tomb. Because we don't want them to come and steal him away and, and go and spread lies that he rose from the dead. But after receiving the proof from the soldiers, they were the ones to go ahead with the lie they didn't want to see happen in the first place. That tells us so much about their heart, isn't it? They are the proof that this man, the wrongly accused, this man, the arrested, this man that they crucified, this man that they killed, has risen. And he is indeed the Messiah. It proved that he is what he said he was. It proved that he is indeed what he claimed to be. He is the Son of God. They had the proof with them, but they rejected him still. Oh, I pray that in this room this morning, that if there is anyone who has doubted Christ, and as you read the scriptures, and as you even hear this testimony about his resurrection, that you will not, you will not harden your heart, but you will turn to this Christ and say, you are indeed the Savior, the Messiah, and I believe in you. Now, what are the benefits of the resurrection for us who have believed in Jesus Christ? I believe the resurrection is proof that Jesus speaks the truth. He said he would die. He said they would kill me. But he also said in three days I will rise again. Destroy this body and in three days I will rise. That's exactly what he did. 
The resurrection indicates the truth of Scripture and the veracity of the words of Jesus. The resurrection also proves that because Christ rose and is alive, if we place our faith in him, we too will rise and we too will live and live eternally. And that's our hope. That's our hope. The resurrection also indicates that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he is God's son, the Messiah and the Savior. It is also through the resurrection. According to Acts chapter 2 verse 36, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. It says in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 that he was declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. It is his resurrection that proves that he is God in human flesh. The resurrection also seals our salvation. Romans 4.25, he was delivered up for our transgressions. He was raised for our justification. He was raised to prove our justification. The resurrection also proved that God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ and therefore he can forgive us. It is the resurrection that guarantees the sending of the Holy Spirit. He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit. There's more. The resurrection of Christ Jesus gives us that hope that one day we will see him just as he is. Oh, what a beautiful day that will be when we see our Lord glorious and we can rejoice in his presence. This God who loves us, this God who we've never seen, but on that day we will see him, as John says, just as he is. The lie was spoken in verse 11 and 15. Pharisees and chief priests paid the gods even after they told them the truth that Christ rose from the dead. They saw it. They heard the angel. The chief priests and Pharisees remained in their sin, refusing to believe the evidence given to them. And I pray that we won't do the same if we are not in Christ. But that you will look inside your own heart and you will say, like the centurion at the foot of the cross, indeed this man was the son of God. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. The lie was the apostles or the disciples told his body. But the truth is, he rose. He's alive. 
seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's coming again for his people. Oh, church, let's go out of this place rejoicing because our God is alive. Our God lives, and as he lives, we can face tomorrow, and he's coming for us. Let's not be like the Pharisees. Let's not tell lies, but let's tell the truth. And let's tell the truth about Christ who is risen from the dead. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful word. Thank you for Christ. He is alive. He is risen. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And we know he is coming back again. And he's coming back to fetch his church. He tells us in his word so that where he is, we too can be. And I pray, Lord, strengthen your church and fill our hearts with joy to live for him and to respond like the women responded by worshiping him. Let us continue to worship this glorious Christ. Let us continue to worship this God who is good, to this God who secured our eternity, to this God who is going to come for us. And I pray for those who do not know you, that you work in their hearts, O Lord, and you'll convince them and you'll convict them of their sin, of righteousness, of judgment, that instead of running away from you, they will run to you and they will admit and confess and believe that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and that he's alive. Thank you, Father. Continue to be with us as we also want to continue singing songs to celebrate this Christ. Be glorified and be magnified in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.